I was just fist pumping. I'm sorry. I get excited. I'm your host, Jacqueline Marfuji, and welcome. Thank you for joining me for another episode. Or if it's your first time, thanks for joining me for your first episode. Uh, I'm really happy to be here. I'm very excited about my guest and all the awesome knowledge and stories he has in store for you. I uh, hope we're all having a good year so far. I feel like we're kind of, we're in the third week of January, all the diets and the resolutions and everything people were really, really excited about in the beginning of the year are kind of, you know, fading away. So I just want to know if you guys are sticking to that stuff. Um, I know I haven't been and I need to reboot and recharge. I, um, it's tough getting older, right? I injured my lower back in the beginning of January. That healed up. And then all of a sudden, my neck just like popped out of whack two days ago. And so I've been trying to take it easy. And that's tough because then what are you supposed to do with workouts? I don't know. I feel like most of you that listen to this try to work out. I teach fitness classes. And it's a bummer when I don't get that adrenaline up. And sometimes I find that I am... I'm getting kind of depressed or a little frustrated with things. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's because I haven't raised the heart rate in a few days or worked out or done like the half an hour of cardio. And if this is all annoying to you and you don't work out and you're skinny as fuck or you just don't give a shit about working out or if you don't have time to work out because I know it's really hard to find that, um, I totally get it. 100%. Hopefully you hearing me talk about this inspires you to move your booty. Um, also, oh, I didn't even think about this. This is not a sponsored post or read or anything, but if you don't feel like leaving the house, if you're not in the mood to look for parking, and if you only have 20 minutes, a half an hour, you can go online because I actually am one of the instructors for the online PlyoJam workouts. So if you just go to PlyoJam.com and sign up for the online workouts, I think there's even a promo code actually. I'm pretty sure it's meatballs. If that's not the code, you guys can always email me at whatsyourjerseypodcast at gmail.com. And um, I'll tell you what the code is. But yeah, you get a discount on it and you can work out at home. And I'm an instructor and there's Melissa, Jason and Stacey who are also really awesome. If you're just not in the mood for me. (laughs) Um, And it's great. Do it at home. Get it over with. Then go on with your day. Um. I also really, while I'm in the car, which I'm in the car a lot because I live in Los Angeles, I don't know about you guys, but I listen to podcasts and I definitely wanted to plug, this one's like a no-brainer, like, duh, podcast that everyone I think should be listening to, but I just started religiously listening to it. It's um, Oprah's Masterclass, and I've had guests on here talk about Oprah before, um, but she's got really cool guests. Uh, the podcast that I love the most, I'll give you my top three. Um, I really loved Cindy Crawford's podcast, actually. I had never really known her life story, and it's very interesting to hear about her upbringing and what she was like as a child, and it's really cool. And it seems like she always had like a really good head on her shoulders, which I love. Uh, and then actually today I just listened to Sharon Stone's podcast, which I don't know, maybe some of you are a big fan of hers. I 
had a funny run-in with her a few years ago. I was working, I think it was an Emmy party at the Sunset Marquee Hotel. And literally, my only job was to walk around and refill the champagne in celebrities' glasses. So I was just walking around with a bottle of champagne the entire time. I think you've heard me tell a story about Connie Britton from um, Friday Night Lights, Dirty John. Uh, I think she's out in Nashville. Her literally turning to me with her hands open saying, just pour it in. I don't care. And I just think that's so fucking cool. But the most starstruck moment I think I've ever had besides meeting Steven Tyler from Aerosmith, because I love him, uh, was I literally, before I turned around, you could just feel this presence. And it wasn't because people were taking pictures. It wasn't because there was a crowd around her. It was just magnetism. And I've never felt that around a bunch of celebrities I turn around and it's Sharon Stone standing there and she's not decked out. A lot of the girls had gowns on, cocktail dresses, and she literally was just in black pants and a turtleneck and just had this star power and aura and just this quiet confidence about her that I'll never forget. It was really cool. Um, so yeah, listen to her episode and then Jay-Z's episode is also really interesting. And kind of the takeaways from those were Sharon Stone talks about how she just always knew that she was going to be a movie star and she was going to be famous and that she always knew that that was her destiny and she leaned into it and she knew that every situation she was going to be in was not going to be normal and her normal was not being normal, which I thought was pretty cool. If there's a way you can relate that to your life, I think there is. Um also, it took her a while to realize she was just enough. Get it? Pun? Just enough? Like our segment on What's Your Jersey? But that is something um, I think a lot of us forget. Um, to just be and just know that like you're enough. I've been having to really dive into that in a bunch of my acting classes where I've had to stop like using my hands so much or... I've realized I shift from side to side or, you know, like just know that you can hold your power and there's a lot of power in stillness and just being yourself and not having to put on an aura of something else or pretending to be something else because you think that's what other people want from you. And Jay-Z actually talks a lot about that, too, in his episode, um, how success is so much sweeter if you're on your path and you're doing it on your terms and you're just being yourself instead of copying someone else or doing what you think the general public loves. And again, apply this to your everyday life. I know a lot of us aren't um, $150 million rappers creating albums, but just do you, be you, because it's so much more um, enjoyable to be around and fulfilling. And he says, um, the belief in oneself and knowing who you are is the foundation of everything great. And he also talks about, and I'm going to butcher everything he talks about. So just listen to it again. This isn't sponsored. I just want you guys to, you know, enjoy things I enjoy. Um, he talks about how excellence is repeated success, how you might just have one good year, but if you can sustain excellence year after year after year, you're really killing it. And I feel like that's something to strive for. You know, like if you do something great once, don't just sit on your laurels and be like, well, that was great. And that's it. Keep going and keep that bar raised in every other aspect of your life. Hopefully that was inspiring. I don't know. <laughs> um, my guest this week, he tells a really inspiring kind of full circle moment story about... Um, 
how when he was a little kid, he actually went to Universal Studios and that was just his favorite place. And he told his parents that he was going to make movies someday. And just years later, he was on the lot and it was right after. So my guest this week um, wrote and was one of the producers on the Ride Along movies with um, Ice Cube, Kevin Hart, John Leguizamo, just a bunch of awesome actors, comedians. And he literally was standing on the lot and all of a sudden one of the trams went by and there was a billboard for Ride Along on the tram and he just had to like stop and take it in and be like, oh my God, like the movie I made is like here, it's happening, it's done. Anyway, you'll hear the story. I just butchered that entire thing. Um... Before we get into my guest, I just want to say I really love doing this podcast and I can't do it without my meatballs, my listeners, you guys. Um, So please, please, please keep supporting it the way you are, but also please share with your friends if if you're a fan, even if you're not a fan, maybe your friend will like it. Um, And... Uh, rate, review, and please subscribe on iTunes. Also, I love hearing from you. You can DM me on Instagram at Jacqueline Marfuji, just J-A-C-L-Y-N-M-A-R-F-U-G-G-I, or email me at whatsyourjerseypodcast at gmail.com. I have a lot of really awesome guests coming up. Um, the very funny Danny Pellegrino, uh, Hannah Brown from the... Um, she has a great podcast. The why, why can't I think of the name of it right now? Um, I just did it. The um, Dried Unicorn. I think that's the name. I'm probably getting it wrong. Anyway, we talk a lot about Lady Gaga on the podcast that I did with her, and it's really, really fun. Um, Trish, Sir, just a lot of really cool people. So get excited. Uh, all right. Well, my guest, besides being a friend and a genuinely amazing human being and really good guy, he's so talented. He's been killing it in Hollywood for years now. He's a writer, a director, a producer. He directed the movie Employee of the Month with Dane Cook and Jessica Simpson and Dax Shepard. He was the writer on Sorority Boys. He was writer, producer on Ride Along and Ride Along 2 with Ice Cube and Kevin Hart. He also has a great new series. He's one of the executive producers and writers on Wayne. I saw it. It's amazing. We'll talk about it on YouTube Originals. He was the executive producer for over 30 episodes, writer um, for The Troop on Nickelodeon. And he also has a really cool movie coming out soon called The Turkey Bowl. So please enjoy the very talented, very funny, humble, awesome Craig Coolidge. I think I've been asking my guest to be on the podcast, but like every time I ask him, I'm like drunk at a party with him. <laughs> so then I'm embarrassed the next day and I'm like, he's not, he didn't mean he We were just to making plans to drink this weekend. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so now what do we do? I, I, I mean, I don't even know what to talk to you about because I can't drunkenly ask you to be on the podcast. <laughs> I guess I could ask you again. Yeah, you can. Yeah. I could say, I just did it. You I, want me to do it again? <laughs> and then I'll forget the next morning. It'll be great. Everything's <laughs> fine. Um, I I am so excited because I think you're the first director, writer, producer. Oh, nice. 
slash used to be actor. Yes. I've had on the podcast, but also one of the best friends of the main squeeze who's also been on the podcast. Yes, yes. And he's also goals because he has blonde hair and blue eyes and his parents are still together <laughs> and they're adorable because I met them last week. Um, and he's, They loved you, by the way. In time, they were like, oh, we can't wait to meet them. They were like asking where you guys were. So it's nice. <laughs> oh my God. It's like we were Brangelina in 2005. Yes. That's so, so sweet. Or um, Benifer in 2000. No. I'd rather be Benifer actually. Yeah, I think you would. Definitely. Yeah, yeah they're a little cold. Anyway, um, <laughs> I listed all his credits before, but certain things I'm so excited about are Employee of the Month. Oh, thank you. Yes, um, yes, yes. We're going to talk a lot about that. Great. Uh, sorority Boys. And yep. the, the thing I'm most excited about <clears throat> yes. is something I just saw and witnessed. I went to, would you call it the premiere? Yeah, they do TV premieres now because, you know, streaming is so huge and they want to get the word out. So now they'll have like a television premiere and people will go to a theater and do the whole thing. And It was so cool. It was carpets so and- cool, in fact, that people are fainting from how amazing your show was. I know. I think... <laughs> That might have been alcohol and heat. No, I think it was the greatness. Or the greatness. (laughs) It was the greatness. Um, You have a new show out called Wayne on YouTube. Original. Everyone, welcome to the podcast because I know he can hear you welcoming him. (laughs) Uh, Greg Coolidge. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Of course. This is perfect timing because you're such a talented writer and I actually need help with a DM. Nice. Perfect. Um, Everyone who listens to the podcast knows that we talk about the Jersey Shore series every yes. now and then. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I did some research. You know, I was born in Jersey, by the way. You're making me look like I didn't do my research, Greg. <laughs> no, no, go, go, go. Um, Greg was born in Red Bank, New Jersey. Yes. Which... The main squeeze and I were just in Red Bank, New Jersey. Were you doing what? Yeah. A cheese festival? <laughs> no. Okay. Um... We were meeting one of my best friends there. Okay. That used to be like my stomping ground. Really? Okay. Yeah. When I was 21. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Now, I moved from there when I was three. Oh, so you so were going I don't to bars really, too. Yeah. I don't really remember the bars too much. <laughs> but, you know, you're in Jersey, so I probably went to a few of them. You but probably I, did. Your yeah. parents seemed fun. But what was weird, because my parents were from Pennsylvania and, you know, Jersey, and they would spend the summers at the Jersey Shore and do all that stuff. And my dad worked in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And then they just got burnt out of being in New York. They're, like, pushing kids down, you know, Fifth Avenue going, is this what we want to do? Yeah. And they went and visited my grandfather, who had just moved to Oklahoma, because he worked for Tinker Air Force Base. Oh. And they're like, oh, this is where we want to raise our kids. Oh, my gosh. So, that's, so I ended up growing up in Oklahoma. And that's why you're so kind and awesome. I, I guess. I don't know. I mean. You're one of the most humble, nice, just I'm chill. trying to be more of an asshole at times. I'm try- oh, not like an that. asshole. I'm trying to have more boundaries at times. Oh, that's good. I'm trying. I'm going to send you a meme of Lady Gaga <laughs> saying no to everyone. Oh, that's. Not the 100 people in the room. Yes. You need one person yes. meme. We're yes. over that. Yes, yes. But yeah, she woke up one day and was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. I don't want to work with that person. I'm not going to sign that autograph. Well, you know, I think when you have a few hundred million in the bank, it does make it a little easier. Right. Could you imagine? But imagine the journey she's taken uh, getting there to, to that point. We'll you hear know, about it. You're someday. never going to make it. You're never going to be this. You're never going to do that. You know, it's one of the. Kirk, my writing partner, and I, we always say the best success or the best, the sweetness of revenge is always, you know, the success that you have. It's like, it's the best. Can we get that embroidered on? Uh, Yeah, I I messed it up, but it's basically, (laughs) (laughs) you get the gist. I get it. Yeah, Yeah, I feel like we need that in here. Just success. So, 
success wise. Yeah. Okay. I just walked by someone on Sunset yeah. who has had a lot of success on the Jersey Shore series. Really? And I don't even want to talk Jersey Shore with you because you're so talented and the level that you're at. <laughs> like we, this shouldn't even be in the same podcast as you, but it's entertaining. But as a storyteller, most people don't understand what goes into reality shows. They have no idea yeah. how hard it is as a producer to turn those into episodes of television, to take, you know, cameras that have been sitting around and like people have no idea. Like you have to take things, rearrange things. I mean, it's a massive, massive uh, undertaking to be a producer on a reality TV show. I mean, that's why the Writers Guild is trying to go, wait a minute, we should be you know, uh, kind of overseeing all this stuff. We should be part of, yeah. we should be unionizing because it isn't what you think it is. You know, these stories are, are built by the producers and the creators of the show every single week. Oh, it's yeah. really incredible. And people have no idea. And they are writing. They're uh, texting the cast members while they're filming the scenes. Oh, yeah. Just say this right now. Say this. What about this? <laughs> they're asking questions. They're invoking things. They're, they're making Sure that cast they pick fights with one another they do all this crazy stuff I mean it's pretty it's pretty incredible and when I I've had some of the Vanderpump people on here and yeah. I was mm -hmm. on an episode or two and they in the beginning of the season would pitch ideas their ideas <laughs> to the producers yes, yes. and they would create like a whole like this season of Vanderpump now like Stassi mm -hmm. has a book coming out and right. Kristen has a t-shirt line yeah. like they're launching a nightclub night like there's all different things so they pitch all these ideas and scenarios to yes. be filmed so yeah it's really incredible and and I think some people go I don't want to know that I want to think it's real and that's like that's great that's great the relationships but, sometimes are oh yeah it's always based in a little bit of truth like I know you're fighting with her and he's fighting with you know and that's so they the sort difference of pull, yeah, between us and people that are on reality incredible. TV I have a buddy who produces uh, Naked and Afraid and, oh <laughs> yeah which I love that show <laughs> but you know, I'm like, can I see an episode? And he's like, no, I cannot show you a real naked episode. I'm not allowed to. Really? You know? yeah. I've never seen that. You've never seen Naked and no. Afraid? No. What's the, is the premise being naked and like in a like haunted they stick house? You, no, no, no. They basically take two people, a guy and a girl, Adam and Eve, and they strip them down naked and drop them off on an island. And you have to survive for 21 days. Oh, my God. Yeah. And you have to find food to eat. You're like, so you have vegans on there trying to kill turtles and eat fish. You know, I know you were talking about that with Kellen, but it's like, yeah, you, you, it's, it's a crazy, crazy show. But sometimes he said there'll be days that go by where nothing happens. And so they have to, and they can't go in and tell them to do something oh, because really? they, no, they stay away. They stay on the outskirts of what's happening and they just kind of film them for, for 21 days. Oh, so it's a real like slice of life. Like, oh, it's they're just, pretty real. They're yeah. just living. But again, as a storyteller, you're like, you have to be really clever to make the scene about a fly, you know, <laughs> massive. Of I feel like you would kill that scene. I, I could try. So they did I, in Breaking Bad too. Uh, that's true. Anyway, anyway. I wanted to slip my wrist because I let an opportunity go by just before you got here. What? I walked. I was yes. running. I was jogging on Sunset. 
And I noticed this barbershop, like all the windows, the doors were open. And there was this guy just sitting right by the entrance by himself. And it was Paulie D from the Jersey oh, Shore. Oh, nice. And we kind of like. In front of the barbershop? He was just like sitting there. It's getting a little high and tight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> It was a little tricked. It was a new barbershop. I feel okay. like they're very okay. fancy and Jersey-ish. And I like ran by. Was it his barbershop? I don't, I don't know. I should oh, Google it. It's by Amarone. Oh, yeah. okay. It's fine. That could be. I could see that transition of come here, you know, get your get your trim. Look at this. You, you should know? DM him that idea after we create a DM for me to send him to be on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. So I ran by and meatballs. I call my listeners meatballs. Yes. yes. Um, use me as an example. Don't let these opportunities <laughs> go by because now I'm so angry and mad at myself for not just stopping and being we'll like, pause hey. it. And let's go back up. There and see if, <laughs> if they're done with the haircut, if his blowout is still happening, that makes me sad forever. Well, that's the one time. Cause I, I don't, people ask me for business cards and I never carry a business card. I'm like, yeah. I don't even think about it, but that's the time when you go here. I always have business cards, yeah. but I was like, I'm not bringing a purse. I just want to go for a run. And I had my credit card, my license and cash on me. And that's yeah. it. And that's, if I had had a card on me, it would have seemed more legit. Yeah. But me yeah. just taking out my phone and being like, really? I do. I have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be like, go away. Or maybe he'd be cool about maybe it. maybe not. He's from Rhode Island. I went to the University of Rhode Island. You did? I did. Oh. I know. It's so exciting. Wow. I was a Ramat. That's the only cool thing I have to say about <laughs> it. I danced on the basketball team after Lamar Odom was there. That's about it. Yes. It okay. So right. if you were Polly D. Yes. How would you like to receive a DM saying you do read your DMs? And he's probably skimming through a lot of like. Well, when it comes through, does it come through with what's your jersey or what's it no, say? No, it, it would that's, be for me. That's the difference. Yeah. I think if you could do it from oh, your brand. I could do it through an email maybe. Yeah. If, do it through an email and just through your brand. That's just what straight I think. to the point. Well, or I mean, not to be, not to be a dude right now, but yeah. a picture. A hot pick. A pick. I mean, come on. That's true. I'll send him a picture from like 2014. What? <laughs> send him this right send here. Just right go, here. hey, I just saw you on Sunset, you know. That's a good idea. And hey, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't say this. I was on my way to start a podcast. I didn't want to be late for my own show. Here's what I'm thinking, you know. That's, That's what I would do. Look at you. You're so perfect. I'm doing you a favor you is are, basically what you're saying. Exactly. Not, not necessarily I'm doing you a favor. If you're doing me a favor, I'm doing you a favor. Because that's the one thing that I feel like in this business, people always, they don't want to say, like, people come up to me, I want to pitch you an idea. And I'm like, wait, just so you know, I might have this idea already. We have a wall of, like, 150 ideas. Yeah. <clears throat> so people sometimes don't want to pitch or they go, ah, oh, you know. And so the, the thing is, is, like, even though somebody new is pitching me an idea, it could be helpful. It could be. I mean, that's how Wayne came to us. Really? Yeah. So I want to talk because oh, yeah. we're going to anyway. get into like where you're from and yes. all, all the things. But I want to talk about what you're excited about now before we get into all the past. So tell me how Wayne came about. Uh, how did Wayne come about? Okay. Um, I was one of the creators of a show called The Troop, a Nickelodeon show that ran for you know a few years. And it was great. So much fun. The first guy uh, I hired or our, we all hired was a guy named Sean Simmons mm -hmm. and I had met him through uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine and he wrote on her show and he and I just hit it off and became buds and we were like it was great you know we'd sit and talk in the writer's room and we got to know each other over the course of a couple years yeah. and after that show ended we just sort of kept in touch and we always talked about ideas and things and I was with my writing partner uh, about a year ago a little over a year ago and Sean Simmons is his name he comes into the room and he was working on 
uh, I'll think of the show he was working on. He was a staff writer on another show, and he comes in and he goes, you know, I'm from Boston, and I know a lot of guys who fight. And he starts pitching, which initially, which became the uh, the, the uh, teaser for the pilot. Ugh. Starts pitching the se- the scene, and we're laughing, and he's doing karate kicks, talking about this awkward kid, and you know, throws the rock through glass, and then gets beat up, and then throws another. You know, so he's pitching this whole thing. Yeah, and we're like, this is really interesting. Like, this is a golden idea. I've never seen this character before. Mm-hmm. You should write this. And he's like, no one's going to buy it. You know, and we said, no, no, now's the time because TV's becoming really massive right now. And network television is kind of becoming the norm. And now cable is really booming. Totally. So do it now. Do it now. So we bugged him for, oh, man, months. Like, every three or four weeks, where are the pages? Where are the pages? What's going on? Do you need help with an outline? What's happening? What's happening? And he would send us different scenes you know, what about this? Or he'd send us like a chunk of 15 pages or a chunk of this or that. And so we started saying, how about this? Move this here and kind of giving him little pointers here and there. But I mean, he had such a unique voice and he's such a great writer mm-hmm. and that he is getting to use his own voice to create all these characters, yeah. which to me is one of the best things you can do is give an artist room to, to grow, which, you know, and I, I might get in trouble for saying this, but a lot of networks get in the middle and they say, no, do this, 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 and this. And I've been very, very lucky. My network experiences have been fantastic where mm-hmm. they sort of stand on the side and not, you know, muddle too much. They let you play. I feel they like let, the magic yeah. goes away sometimes when that yes, happens. Yes, it does. It just sort of kills it. And so he's, you know, sending us pages and he finally sends us a draft. And I remember texting my writing partner and I read it on a plane and I said, I texted him. All I said was, Wayne. That's all I said to him. And he was, he texts back. He's like, on it. Like, I'm going to read it, read the draft. So he texts me back and says, like, holy shit, you know. So we talk to Sean a little bit more, give a couple minor notes, little tweaks, mm-hmm. clean some stuff up. And we were like, you know, we're, we're executive producers, you know, showrunner types, but we aren't, you know, Rhett Reese and Paul Warnick. We're not the Deadpool guys. We're not at that level yet. You know, we're yeah. not we're not those kind of guys yet. You know, we're not the Chuck Lorre's of the world. And, you know, yet. So we're thinking, you know what? We should go and see if we can attach a couple of guys that have a similar voice to this just so that we can have, you know, the giant gorillas in the room and we need someone to go, no, the guys aren't changing it. We need to protect Sean. You know, that's like a muscle. Yeah, you do. You need that kind of thing when you're going up against, you know, the system. So they they don't probably know this whole story. We send them a script, you know, and they're like, guys, you know. Kirk, we love you, buddy. We're so busy. We have Deadpool 2. We have this. We have, you know, they're writing like 25 things right now. Yeah. They're massive, massive writers. And we're like really busy. We can't really get into this. And Kirk goes, just trust me. I'm doing you guys a favor. So a couple weeks go by. Kirk's like, have you read the script? And then finally, Rhett Reese hits him back and says, "Uh, I, I promise I'll read it. I promise. I promise I'll read it. Day goes by. Rhett Reese texts Kirk, Wayne. Kirk texts him back. What'd you think? He's like, when can we talk? You know, with like four question marks. So, so I tell Kirk, I go, don't text him back. So a little bit of that cat and mouse thing. So day goes by. He's like, where are you? I want to talk to you about Wayne. So Rhett and Paul had both read it and getting two people on to something is even tougher than just one, Mm. but they read it, loved it, understood Sean's voice. And they're like, Hey, this is kind of in our realm. This is really interesting. They came aboard. 
They're like, this is fantastic. We go to this meeting with Sean, and Sean's like, where are we going? We're like, oh, we're going to meet him at the Soho House. He's like, Soho House? I've never been to Soho oh House. Oh, my yeah. God. So he's freaking out. <laughs> we're like, don't worry about it. These guys are great. They understand the material. Sean starts, you know, pitching them, and we're like, hey, don't worry about it. And then by the end of the meeting, he's like, Sean felt like, he's like, I felt like they were pitching me. And I said, yeah, it's a great script. That's how good it is. It's a great script. So then we took it out, and we only, we like, we hit four or five places in a day. Really? Yeah, and then two people wanted to buy it. So were people know? just completely like, yes, come in for a meeting oh, with yeah, them absolutely. attached? Like absolutely. it was very easy to get a meeting. We, yeah, and we were hand selecting. We got to kind of select where we wanted to go. You know, like I think we went we went to HBO, Hulu. Um, yeah, HBO, Hulu, YouTube. I, did I even think – I don't even think we went to Netflix. We didn't have time because mm-hmm. two people wanted to buy it. Immediately, like Hulu and YouTube were like, we want to buy it. YouTube's like, we want to make a pilot immediately. Yeah. And we said, well, are you guys cool? We met, sat down with uh, Dustin Davis and um, Amanda Barkley. And we said, are you cool if we don't change a word? Because we don't want to change anything. And they said, yeah, absolutely. And we're like, what? <laughs> Never, ever will we hear those, <laughs> so- hear that again. <laughs> ever, ever. So they're like, uh-huh. yeah, let's go make this pilot. You know, meanwhile, Hulu's like, hey, we're trying to... Uh, Put the pilot together. We're trying to do this. And we said, no, we're fine. We're just going to go with YouTube. This is going to be great. You know, we love you guys. It was a cool meeting. And can you yeah. elevator pitch it to the meatballs who haven't this seen Wayne This is part yet. of the fun. Like, all my life and all my career, I've heard, I want to I know what this story is in two sentences. I want to hear, it's Jaws in space. You know, I want to mm. hear, it's guys in drag. You know, or whatever. <laughs> this is one idea that you really go, okay, now what is it? So the way I elevator pitch it was different probably from Rhett or Paul or Kirk, my writing partner. And I say it's about two kids from extremely dysfunctional backgrounds Mm -hmm. meeting up with each other and going out on the road to find the boy's Trans Am that his dead father left for him. Mm -hmm. That's what I say. And people go, okay, it's two dysfunctional kids. They go out on the road together. And through that, they experience all the stuff that us normal people experience through their filter and oh, it's yeah. fucked up it's so yeah. fucked up and, and so it's much so fun good. and so heartwarming and, and brutal and violent and you know and when you don't like as sean says which is so great sean simmons the creator the writer he always says if you type if you because he's from brockton massachusetts mm-hmm. and he said if you type in brockton into google the first thing that pops up is brockton massachusetts uh pitbull barbecue that's the first thing that pops up in Google. So that's how many people have. So, you know. So anyway, long story short, that's kind of the elevator pitch. Um, and it's just a fun, fun road You feel story. like you're on like a roller coaster watching it. Yeah. Like it's very, your adrenaline is going. It's very entertaining. The way it's shot and the way it's cut together. I know before we started recording, yeah. you were talking about music. Oh yeah. It's so important. And Everything's important. Sean's great at music. Kirk's great at music. I'm great at music. So we all have, you know, uh, uh, Stephen Argilla, our composer's great at it. Like all of our editors, we try to make sure that everyone knows how to communicate through music mm-hmm. because that's such a big part of the show and of the moments um, you know, I'm even going through that now with my feature Turkey Bowl is trying to keep certain songs because you're like, you want this to be in the zeitgeist for the next 200 years. You want yeah. people watching it over and over and understanding and recognizing the music or understanding the feeling that that music gives you. There's you know? so many times where 
either I'll be at a restaurant or like you're in line at an amusement yeah. park or whatever and a song will come on and I'll turn to whoever I'm with and I'll be like, what movie you, is this? Yeah. You know? Yes. Uh, what The um, House of Rising Sun from Casino, like the yes. end of the movie Casino. Oh, yeah. That like always brings back all the feels. Do you have a song that you're just like, yes, that's oh, a movie. Oh man, like, uh, or songs that I want to use in movies, Ooh, but I don't want to tell you okay. what they are because then I'm, they get used. Like, yeah. here's, here's a quick story about music. Yeah. Um, uh, when I did Employ the Month, mm-hmm. I wanted to use Van Halen's jump in a sequence when uh, Dax jumps off the cash register. And My bad. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, it's your podcast and your ringer's on. It's fine. On. It's fine. <laughs> so I wanted to use Van Halen's jump. And it was going to cost like 75000 or or $100,000 or something like that. And I got into a big fight with the producer, Panay, Andrew Panay. He's going, no one cares about that song. That song's old. I'm like, we're bringing it back, you know. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, but we're going to spend a hundred grand on that. And is it worth it? Is it, you know, so we got, and he's doing what he's supposed to do as a producer. Yeah. And so I said, okay, you know what? Let's, let's take a vote. It's the only time I ever did this and I'll never do it again. I said, (laughs) let's take a vote with everybody at the sound mix today. Mm -hmm. And it was me, three sound mixers, Andrew, another one of the producers and Andrew's brother. Right. And it all came down. The room was split in half and it came down to Andrew's brother really great guy and of course who's he gonna vote for me or his brother right and he goes i I think andrew's right i don't think people are gonna care and i'm like okay let's move on let's not spend the money Mm -hmm. let's spend the money on a different music key or whatever so we move on about i don't know six months later nine months later or maybe you know something like that year later all of a sudden i hear van halen's uh was no i'm sorry it wasn't jump it was panama Sorry, Panama. (laughs) I start hearing Panama on television and I'm like, did they use it for, you know, promo or whatever? So I go running in there and movie had already come out and stuff and it's, uh, uh, super bad. And all they did was run Panama through the super bad trailers, you know, for that movie to get people in the seats, Panama cars peeling out shits on fire. And I'm like, that's the spirit of the song. You guys, you know? So I called Panay. I'm like, have you seen what Apatow and these guys, Seth Rogen and all these guys are doing? Like, they got it right, you know? <laughs> so anyway, that's my story about, about music. But at least you fought for it. You have to. You do. I always say, like, as an artist, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Go down swinging. You have to go down swinging. And nothing good is ever easy. It's no. not. It's not. You have to fight tooth and nail to the very fucking end. And you're like, this is what, because then you feel like you can sleep at night. Mm. Um, you know, you, you always say like, I don't want, look, your agents are going to have opinions, your friends, your family, everyone's going to have an opinion. But at the end of the day, you want to make the decision that you make so that it's your mistake at the end or, or your success at the end. You mm. have to do it. You have to live that way. No regrets. You'll, yeah. Like me today on Sunset. <laughs> yeah, see? <laughs> I didn't. I mean, it's still bothering you. It's going to eat you alive for the, next, for the next 20 minutes. You're going to be... <laughs> no, I'm good. No. I'm good. <laughs> well, another thing I loved about Wayne was your cast. Yes. We have... Wait, was there I, like a hesitation there? No, <laughs> I'm not, I just... You not got I, It's so fresh for? with me. No, it's so fresh with me that I'm sitting there going... Okay, you want to hear a fun story about the cast yeah. and the casting of it. The Wayne character in the script is like 6'2", 250 pound, you know, red-headed guy with, no. no. With, in the script. Yeah. In the script, that's how he was written. You wouldn't care as about this him bi- as much. Uh, no, trust me. Trust me. 
So, you know, what we did was over the course of casting and seeing all these different people is we slowly but surely started to, you know, I don't want to say it took us time to convince Sean, but he had written a character, this kid that, you know, or kids that he grew up with, like, these are the type of guys I know. Mm. And we kept going back to him saying, yeah, but it's to us, it's much more interesting when Sean Penn walks into the room and everyone goes, holy shit, that guy's going to destroy this place. And he's, you know, he's 5'8". Yeah. Yeah, and he weighs 140, but he will rip your heart out. And so um, I had seen Sing Street, and it was a real, I really loved that John Carney movie. Mm-hmm. And I loved Mark. And so casting directors came in, and they start opening up the books and start talking to us about all this stuff. And they had Mark McKenna in the book. And I was like, I was just talking to Kirk about this kid. Can you track him down? Yeah. You know? So Sean comes in and sees him, and he's like, oh, my God, who is this guy? You know, just fell in love with him instantly. So we track him down, and it takes a couple of weeks. And he puts himself on tape in someone's kitchen in Ireland, and he doesn't really want to be an actor necessarily at the time. Mm-hmm. He'd been doing other things. He's a musician, super talented, super sweet guy. And he's like, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll read for this. And, you know, worked on his accent, ended up flying him in testing him now we saw thousands and there's so many talented actors out there i mean so many i mean (laughs) trust me yeah i know greg there's so many (laughs) but you know as they say but when it's your part it's your part and i always want to invite my actor friends in on what's behind the curtain so they can see why things are you know are decided the way they're decided it's never personal no ever ever you know, it's like, oh, does this person even sometimes it's down to height and color choice. And you're like, well, this hair is blonde and her hair is red and it's going to look weird every time we light that scene. It's going to be strange and it's going to be. I had that happen to me last year for pilot season yeah. where I was supposed to, it was supposed to be like a hospital, like yeah. a very urban feel. And I was supposed to be the only like, you know, like uh-huh. white, like doctor, uh-huh. like privilege, white, pri- whatever. Yeah. And there was like a Latina receptionist there. And like, I don't play like, you know, vanilla. No. no. And finally. Olive skin, Jersey girl. Yeah. No. You could have played the, uh, yeah. And I remember being very devastated Italian. when I found out they had to like recast me. Yeah. And it was this pale, like she could play your little sister or your daughter. Yeah. Just this beautiful, angelic, like blonde hair, blue eyed. Oh yeah. But I got it. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, that doesn't work for the story if I'm uh, well. In there. The thing is, it's kind of like when you're dating, it's you really want to know, like, oh, I really liked you, really great. I didn't feel any sort of connection. Okay, nice to meet you. You know that yeah. kind of thing. It's like, oh, I, I thought you were too tall or whatever. You know, like it's like getting to that point. Like as an actor, if someone tells you, oh, we didn't hire you because of this. Like I remember one of the I was flying back and forth from Oklahoma. And I was, uh, the show had been on for several years. It was called The uh, uh, Adventures of Superman, mm-hmm. uh, Lois and Clark, mm-hmm. with Dean Cain and, you know, Terry Hatcher. Terry Hatcher. Terry and Hatcher. it had been on for like two or three years. And they were replacing this one kid, great actor, great actor. Uh, they were replacing this guy named Michael Landis. And they said, we need a blonde haired kid from like Oklahoma. That's what it said in the breakdowns. And I'm like, well, that's me. I can do that. And I ended up testing for it, going back and forth five times. And my agent's like, oh, you're going to get this job. This is great because you're exactly what they want. 
And it came down to, like, I was even looking at cars. I'm like, oh, I could get a new car. I've never had a new car. This is crazy. This is going to run. It's going to run for like another three years or four years. And then it's going to go into syndication. Mm. Like, this is going to be a game changer for me. I go to the audition and it's like me and five other guys. And then there's this young kid that walked in, didn't even know his lines. And he looks exactly like a smaller version of Dean Kane. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like a little tiny version of Dean Kane. So that's ex- what they don't want, which what I've heard. And he ends up getting the job. Really? Yeah, he got the job. Really nice guy. Is that really. like, so they just cast um, James Gandolfini's son to play James Gandolfini in the prequel of, prequel of the Sopranos movie. Well, what was weird is they said to me, we were going to go that direction because we needed someone else yeah. who didn't look like Dean. And we went with the young Dean kid. Um, but he has a deal at CBS. And so we're already paying him X amount of dollars. And I went, oh, so I didn't take any offense to that. Yeah. Whether it was true or not, you know, yeah. but he had had a deal. That's so, so frustrating. Yeah. So I was like, I wow, that. get ready for a lifetime of. Uh, of just don't take it personal. Yeah, I mean, I know I was I was on another uh, show and talking about auditions, and I think I tested a period of four or five years. I probably tested for 18, 22, 23 shows. Like mm-hmm. every year I would test for two or three TV pilots. God. Yeah. And everything is meant to be is pretty I much guess. what happens. I guess, yeah. I don't, it, but that's the fun of it. It's the game it of it. It is. But it was really cool. I Just because I, I went to school in Rhode Island and I've been around that Boston, yeah. like all of it. It was so true to what it's like in like Brockton or like those areas. Oh, yeah. And it's so awesome. So I feel like you guys have to, have to, have to must watch Wayne. And it's doing really well too. It's I don't even great. like need to plug it. No, we've, yeah. In the first five days, we had 10 million views of the pilot. Yeah. Which is great, which is really kind of unheard of for streaming. You know, it's like it's not Bird Box numbers, but it's close. Yeah, <laughs> you know, no, it's so it's pretty close. good. And and the the reviews have been stellar. And people's like I I was telling you earlier, like I don't read comments, I don't read reviews. I'm very anti that. It's because, so weird. They're usually great and really nice. Well, you know, it's like <laughs> the comedian that. I mean, I have that too in me where I, I can stand up in front of a hundred people and tell a joke and 99 people laugh, but there's that one girl in the back corner that didn't laugh at me. And then I want to find her and go, Hey, what's up? How come you didn't think that was funny? You know, yeah. but I, I've learned to like, just avoid that. It's like being in a bad relationship. You know, if they don't love you back, there's nothing you can do. You gotta get out. <laughs> you, gotta, you just gotta keep moving, you know, keep oh, moving. You should write a, like a book of yeah. like Coolidgeisms. Right. These are so positive. And right. <laughs> I'm just going to call you if I ever like have a bad audition. I won't do this to you, but <laughs> just, you, you can. I've, I'll be like, Greg, what happened? <laughs> I've dated actors before. I've dealt with that on really? a regular basis. Yeah. As an actor, yeah. and now being on the other side of it, and still you know knowing what it's like and how the whole system works, even now making movies and television, understanding the metrics that go into it mm. is just mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Really well, they'll is. go through all the comments from your last movie and and uh, you know and figure out did people like it or did they not like it? Uh-huh. And you're like, and they'll tell you like ninety percent of the people that go on to comment usually hate everything. They'll it's tell you that totally. And you're like, oh, so we're going in with people that are automatically going to hate us, okay? And if they like it, then people really like it. And people really liked Wade. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. They really did. Yeah. Well, people really like you, and I want to get into what mm. you were like as Thanks, a Mom. little kid. 
as a little kid. I mean, I met your parents, so I could see yes. why they brought up such an awesome, cool human being. Oh, thank you. Thank but you, you were, okay, you were born basically at the Jersey Shore. Yes, born in Red Bank, New Jersey. But you don't claim you're from Red Bank. Well, I, I mean, no, because I moved when I was two and a half or three. My parents moved me out to Oklahoma to... Uh, you know, they went to visit my grandfather who worked for Tinker Air Force Base. And yeah. they were like, oh, wow, you can grow up here and play soccer and you can leave your front door open and not worry about anything. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so that's where I grew up in Oklahoma, where you basically played sports and chased girls. That's really what I did all the time. And I the learned American in dream. first grade because I was not the best looking kid in school. Um, I mean, I was OK, I guess, you know, Um <laughs> As Dak Shepard calls me, a solid B minus is what he says. <laughs> He's like, you're like a B minus college. You're like good enough to get the hot chick, but not so good looking that you'll intimidate but her. And, honestly, you know. I don't want to be an A plus. I want to have my personality. I want to be able to take yeah. a joke. I want to have had to like gone through some bullying and yes. shit. Yes, you know? I totally agree. Like when you, I, I, I dated this girl for a long time. Really wonderful girl. Um, absolutely great girl. Total ten. Right. But so funny and so cool. And the first couple of times we hung out, I'm like, what's your deal? Seriously. You're like, I'm going to get girls that look like you do not develop typically this type of personality. Now, I know I'm generalizing, Mm -hmm. but that being said, like doors open for this girl. People are like, who are you? You know, and she pops her teeth out. She's missing like two teeth. (laughs) And I'm like, oh. She goes, oh, yeah, I grew up, my aunt called me a hedgehog. And I'm like, oh. She's like, I didn't really grow into this until I was, you know, 18, 17, 18. And then my friend Shelly's the same way. She's like 5'10 and was a supermodel and traveled the world. And she was like, oh, my God, I was so ugly in high school. And she's also super funny. And so it forces you to, you know, learn other skills. And when I was in first grade, there was this girl, Terry Wall. I haven't looked her up. I swear I haven't since then. First <laughs> grade. Can't find her. Um, no. <laughs> Terry Wall. This, this, this girl with like olive skin and really curly hair. Mm-hmm. And everybody loved Terry Wall. And I was like, well, now I'm going to love Terry Wall because she's great. I couldn't get her attention. And then one day I made her laugh. And that was it. I was like, oh, this is, uh, you know, because Sean Kirkpatrick was the fastest kid in first grade. (laughs) Tim Morgan was the coolest kid. So I'm like, I'm going to be the third guy. Like, I don't know where I fit in, where I'm kind of fast and I'm kind of cool. So you know what? I'm going to be the funny one. I'm funny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's where it all started for me. And I remember. And Mrs. Derek, my fifth grade teacher, was so beautiful. (laughs) Was that your big crush? Yeah. Yeah. I had Mr. Thompson. He was my big crush. And I think... Seventh grade. And, and you learn so much about, like, relationships and, and you know, even though she was a few years older than me. A know, few. Just a few. I was like, is there still a shot? Do I still have a shot? You oh know. <laughs> but I remember Brent Gabert and I literally talking about Mrs. Derrick on a daily basis. That's so funny. Yeah. And I, I love it because I found with a lot of people that are on the podcast. Yeah. The way they went about things when they were little is basically yes. how they became successful. Oh, oh, and I, how they are still. You know, they're very true to it, and you're very detail oriented. Yes. You remember all the names, and you were like, "Oh, be funny." That's how I'm gonna. That's how I'm gonna rise excel. above the B minus. Fifth grade, uh, Will Veely 
was the lead in our play in our in our play where he played this you know this uh, a robot singing robot guy yeah and he couldn't learn his lines and so the teacher said our music teacher was like does anyone else want to do it and I'm like I'll do it and I did not know what I was getting myself into because uh-huh. I can't sing but I could do the robot so I did the robot I don't know how I did, knew how to do the robot <laughs> oh, that's but cool. I did it. And what's interesting is people say to me, how did you get into writing and directing and all that stuff? In fifth grade, I reblocked the play the day of the performance because as I was reading the blocking and what she was having us do, Mrs. Smith was having us do, was wrong. And it always felt wrong to me mm-hmm. doing these scenes with other kids in fifth grade. So I, I all day, all morning long, I reblocked these two or three scenes and changed a couple lines here and there. And then I went and told Mrs. Smith, this is how we're going to do this. And she just sat there behind the piano and said, okay. And then I got all the kids for like 10 minutes. And I said, this is how we're going to play this scene. This is how we're going to do this. And so now looking back, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's where I, that's where I latched into storytelling. I'm like, oh, this is why the scene has always felt wrong to me. It didn't make sense. Wow. That's really weird, isn't it? That's really... It means you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. I guess. Like, there are times, even now, where I'm like, should I not do this anymore? Should I... Should I? You know, that's what every artist thinks. You know, like, there's... Some days I'm like, I just don't want to have to deal with all of it. And then I'm like, nah. Five minutes later, I'm like, no, this is the best. How do you get out of that, though? Do you, like, go for a walk? Like, what's your thing to kind of, like, reboot? Exercise. Meditation alcoholism no um <laughs> oh my god me too yeah, oh my god <laughs> we just become best friends no um and being around people that are positive Th- those are to me the four kind of things that i can do and also turning on music that i like yeah so if you kind of hit those little spots depending on what mood you're in and also you know my dog is like the greatest thing in the world mm-hmm. and it's been amazing having um something like that in in your life that loves you unconditionally always all the time and also it takes the 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 you know the spotlight off of you and onto something else because i'm always concerned about what he's doing where he's going what's happening in his life is he happy is he this i has love been, that and it takes the focus off sometimes of you. i'm like god i feel so fucking selfish because yeah. i'm just like Worrying about me. And then I put way too much attention on Rescue the Rescue a dog. It's a life changer. Is that what you did? You rescued your dog? Yeah. He basically came from some friends of ours that had rescued a couple dogs. And one of the dogs was pregnant. And so. Got it. Yeah. So we. So technically, yes and no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Ish. Kind of. The next one. Uh, I, the next one. I do want to get him a buddy. And so many people are like, don't have two dogs. I have two. I have two friends. Two sets of two different types of friends. Get a dog so that he can have a buddy, mm-hmm. or don't get a dog. It's such a nightmare. Then you have way more to take care of and all that kind of stuff. It is kind of annoying when I have friends that have dogs that are like, "Oh, I can't do it. I have to like go home for the dog." And I'm like, "Why didn't you figure this out before? Like, yeah, let's make plans." I know that's true. Does that make me a monster? We talked about this. <laughs> what you and I did. <laughs> Wait a minute, we did. Wait, because you were like, it was like one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> We were drinking at some party, and I was like, well, I got to go. And then you said, you have a dog. That's why you're leaving? And I said, yeah. And then you were like, well, how are you going to meet? You're single. How are you going to meet girls? And I said, look, the dog is my barometer. If I meet a girl who's worth like making my dog suffer for an hour or two, mm-hmm. then I know it's worth it. 
And you're like, well, you're not going to meet anyone cooler than your dog. That's what you said. <laughs> and I said, you know, you're probably right. God, I'm smart. <laughs> After tequila. Yes. Um, you are single. I want yeah. Valentine's Day is coming up. Great. So <laughs> you're like, fuck. <laughs> I've had, I've been in two really, I'm a relationship person. You're a relationship person. I okay. go through like three years here, nine years there, four years there. Oh my like, God. Yeah, it's crazy it's really crazy you just stay and just wait for someone else to break up get to know somebody well enough to decide do i want to date them and then i jump in okay that's kind of how i date like i don't i'm not the i i'm not like the oh i met this girl and then we went back to her apartment and hooked up and then the next day i'm like nah i don't like her okay i just feel like every time that's happened it just creates nothing but turmoil for everything yeah. You know, especially myself. Like, I've, I've had girlfriends who are like, no, 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 just date her. It'll be fun. And then it's horrible. Really? So yes. you're a relationship guy? I am. Do you I'm do just, dating apps? I, I literally just downloaded a couple of them. Okay. Like, a week ago. Oh, my God. I'm so proud of you. And I haven't, I, I have no selfies, like, none. Thank no, God. I have no pictures of myself, so I don't know how to even fill them out. My I, boyfriend loves selfies. I, uh... <laughs> But of course, if I looked like him in a selfie, I would do it too. You know? Thank you so much. Okay, so Greg. He's so handsome in photographs. In real life, you know? No. <laughs> but he's just super handsome guy. And so on. he just looks super confident and cool. And yeah. I just don't look like that. He takes a good selfie. He does. He also got us um, a ring light. So now his selfies are even better. Because we have lighting for selfies oh, now. Oh, yeah, that's we, how he does we it. We might have to play with that i might have to get one of those we'll see well i love that you're on dating apps los angeles greg is out there um i I want to know finish filling them out all right i'll help you i'm really good at helping with these things okay but i want to know i've asked a few single guys on the podcast yes comedians in general what a girl should open with if she has to do the first line on a dating app and every response is it doesn't fucking matter what the girl says (laughs) if i like what's on her page i'm gonna swipe right Yes, yes. Do you agree, or what would intrigue you? What would intrigue me uh, would be, let's go for a hike. That okay. would intrigue me. You would yeah. like that? Yes, because I like to be very active. I like to run around and do fun stuff like that. And So for me, that's a huge, huge part of dating for me, anyway. Yeah. Or just being in a relationship, is being with somebody who, who you're like, hey, let's go skiing this weekend, mm-hmm. you know, or hey, let's go travel or hey let's go for a hike and you know you know what i'm saying like, I feel like I just... you took a bunch of girlfriends of yours to hawaii recently <laughs> well, here, here's the true story very upset that i was not invited tommy, <laughs> that tommy was invited. if i was invited tommy was invited he's such a liar you didn't tell me that how did know, that no, come about invited. this is what happened <laughs> um i had broken up my ex and i had broken up and i had uh miles yeah. You know, like tickets to Hawaii. So I kept saying to people, who wants to go to Hawaii? Who wants to go to Hawaii? So I invited like 20 people. Tommy was one of them, by the way. That little Sent out shit. a text to all the people we play volleyball with. Like, hey, who wants to go? Who wants to go? And as the weeks got closer and closer and closer, it literally dwindled down to me and three blonde girls. The, you, you had a harem of just like Victoria's Secret models with you. Yes. And <laughs> who I was just friends with all of them. And I know them. They're very I know. cool. They're like, really they're cool not... people. Which What was fun, though, is that nobody hooked up with anybody. Really? And so that was awesome made the trip even better now 
everyone was staring at me like, who's that guy? You know, does he own a oh, porn yeah. site or what's his deal? He must be super rich. Like I went up to a bartender. We're all in the hot tub and it's like 10 o'clock at night and Hawaii shuts down at, you know, 5 p.m. or whatever. And I go up to the bartender. I'm like, hey, can we get some drinks? And he's like, dude, we closed the bar like two hours ago. I'm just cleaning. And I was like, oh. And he went, oh, oh wait, you're the guy with the blondes? And I said, yeah. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you want? <laughs> so he just made me made me drinks. That's amazing. Yeah. That's what'll happen. But the cool thing about you But I just got lucky. That was me just getting lucky. Is that <clears throat> like you are a very successful director, producer, right? Like you are high up working in Hollywood. You would think you would be a douchebag that would always have a harem of like a bunch of just like Instagram hot models and you're so down to earth but you I want have marriage that around and you. babies like that's is what that I what want. you want yes that's what we were getting to yes okay. that's what i want like i mean it's fun to go to the soho house and you know hang out with the people for a couple of hours that's yeah. fun every few weeks but but that's not that's not i don't know i'm not, I, I don't know i want to like i had such a great childhood uh-huh that i always tell people that i want to um, I want to have kids, whether I adopt or, or you know, give birth myself is yeah. what I'd like to know. Um, <laughs> when I have my own kids is, is, is give them the life that I had growing up okay. because it's just such a cool, cool experience and I loved it. And so I want to be able to kind of live that through somebody else. Like I like going... Like Rosenbaum and I, we always go to Disneyland or Disney World. We go down to Florida and go to go. Disney. It's so much fun. You have to go. I know. Yes, I love that. It's so much fun. <sighs> and what part of the fun that I love about it is seeing it through other people's eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like they've never been. Oh my gosh, this is going to be great. You yeah, know? and I so, think that's why it's fun to have kids. There's a lot yes. of reasons why it's fun, but that's a cool aspect of reliving everything through someone else's eyes. I had a great time. Like people ask me, how was high school? I'm like, it was fucking awesome. Loved high school. Yeah. Most people are like, oh, I didn't really like high school. I'm like, what? <laughs> are you serious? Well, what happened? <laughs> you know, and then I want to hear uh, uh, like uh, Sarah Sanderson. I was in, uh, in Hawaii with her and she's like, you love gossip. And I was like, wait a second. I do. But I like it for stories and for character. Yeah. Because that's, this is where I get all my sort of my stuff. Well, that's what I was you know? wondering because I mean. All my friends and all the stories that they tell. And, and you might not remember where something comes from, but you'll hear an aspect and you'll go, oh, well, I know a guy that when he walks into the room, he has to suck the life out of everybody and, and be the center of attention. Mm-hmm. And But he will give you the shirt off his back. And he will go to bat for you and he will do anything he can to help you. So he has this sort of this, this, you know, it's yin this, and yang. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's and, how you lock into all the different and characters. And I'm like, that's an interesting character, you know. And then I know another guy that will not leave girls alone, just won't leave them alone. He meets them somewhere. As soon as he gets their number, a million texts. You know, novellas of texts and just won't stop. You know, even after they're like, do not contact me anymore. <laughs> the worst I've And he's like, no, well, you and I, we're destined to be married. And, you know. And he just doesn't get it? No. Oh. It's these social cues. No. It, it doesn't matter if his therapist tells him not to do it. It doesn't matter if his friends tell him. He just goes on and on and on. And that's another funny character thing. It you is. Know? And it's just like, oh, yeah. so all those kind of things leak in. And so, like, my writing partner and I, on Mondays, we have the, uh, we call it the Gary Marshall School of what happened this weekend. Mm -hmm. Because he would talk about how 
at the end of the week, you know, they'd come back and go, okay, what, you know, what interesting stuff happened to our families over the weekend? We're like, okay, that's a good episode for happy days right there. That's what, that's a good storyline. And so that's where you do, you steal it from life. I had so much new material after I went home for Christmas. Oh yeah. Uh, Like a new, at least five minutes in my standup set, just on family, New Jersey, what happens over the holidays to people. Oh yeah. I tell writers don't write more than four or five hours a day. Don't do it. You'll, you'll, you'll kill yourself. Go out, experience life, and then go home and write all this stuff down. I think that's the key to being a good writer, a good director, producer, actor, is experiencing life. And I always had, you know, mentors. Yeah, sure. Who would be like, don't just act. You need to live. Live. And do as much as you possibly can. Absolutely. Who's your mentor? Sorry, I cut you off. What were you going to say? Oh, no, I was going to say Lawrence Olivier. Um, Sir Lawrence Olivier. Would give How his dare you. would give his monologues to everyone else in the play, and say, "Read this, mm-hmm. guys, girls, stagehands, whatever." And then he would take from each one of them. Oh, I love how you did that line. Oh. I'm going to use that. I'm going to connect my own version of that. And then, oh, I love how she did this right here. Oh, it connects to this other moment. Okay, I'm going to use that. So he he was known for kind of like listening and borrowing and using and. And that's what it is. That's what it's about. So I want to know your opinion on that because I'm actually, I was sent a scene yesterday from a play and Mm -hmm. the scene is two writers, the mentor Mm -hmm. and her like apprentice and the girl that's working under her wrote a book. Right. And it's based on kind of loosely a story about the mentor's past relationship. Okay. And it's the end of the play and the mentor is like, fuck you. Like you're, you can't do that. You stole my life. And she's like, no, I did what you told me to do all these years. I Uh used the stories that I heard and the mentor's like, that's my life. That's not okay. And Mm -hmm. it's definitely a gray area. I can tell you a story, a personal story about this in particular. So it is a little tricky. Okay. It is a little tricky. My feeling about it Overall, mm-hmm. is that um, if I'm a songwriter and you are a pro ice skater and I write a song about your life as a pro ice skater, I, that's fine because I know the stories and I know this. I think that's okay. If you're also a songwriter mm-hmm. and you're writing a story about your life and being a pro, being a pro ice skater, then there's a little bit of an issue. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that's where I think it gets into like who owns what. Right. <sighs> like you're like, well, that's my life, my personal life. Mm-hmm. And so the ownership of that, I believe. So here, here's my story. Yeah. So one of my exes. Um, and I don't, did you ever see Employee of the Month? I don't know if you ever saw the yes, movie. Okay. So in Employee of the Month, there's a scene where. Which comes from this whole good looking thing where, where Dane says to Jessica, um, how are you so cool? You know, you look like this and, you know, what, you know, whatever. The original scene was written where the girl says, well, I grew up with older brothers and they used to beat the shit out of me and I used to play hockey and this and that. Mm. And then she pops her teeth out and she's missing two teeth. <laughs> right. And he's like, oh, and she's like, I didn't really blossom until I was in my 20s. And life is so different as a pretty girl. I don't even see myself that way and blah, blah, blah. All that kind of stuff. So I wrote that. Mm -hmm. Movie's getting made. And my ex-girlfriend, who can pop her teeth out, is like, "Uh uh-uh. You're not putting this in there. And I'm like, excuse me? 
And she's like, you're not putting this in there. That's my life. And we got into this huge argument. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I've been living with you for five years and this and that. And we start getting into all this stuff. And then finally she says, well, you know, I'm, I write too. And so if I ever want to use that, and I went, oh, you know what? You're right. Uh-huh. So that's yours. You, that's you. That's your thing. You're also, you know, starting to write. This is what you're going to do. I get it. Yeah. But until then, she wasn't writing. She wasn't doing anything. So I was, yeah. So I think she came up with that. Well, she also wrote a really great pilot. Okay. So she did start writing. Maybe so that fueled it. I think it did. She was kind of like, oh shit, I better start fucking writing because <laughs> I told him I was going to write something. So she did. So she ended up writing something and it was really, really outstanding. That's awesome. Um, but that's where I think, that's where I think the, the line should be drawn. But that's just me personally thinking that's where the line should be drawn. So, um, no, that makes to- total it, you know, sense. I'm not going to go, you know, like uh, be, the, be a stand up comedian and start telling stories about my wife that, you know, is a chef and she made this funny book and made all this, you know, whatever, and telling Jerry Seinfeld stories or whatever. <laughs> so, but even though I've heard those stories from him, um, so I think that's, I think that, no, <laughs> um, He's going to be listening to this going, what? He's going to be like, I don't, do I remember that guy? Did I book no. him on Comedians in Cars? <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> do you watch that show? I do. I yeah, love that. I do too. It's so good. My new favorite thing is hiking with Kevin. Do you watch that? Oh, no, the I haven't Kevin seen Neon that yet. Because I used to good. go a lot to the show he did at the Lap Factory yeah. where he did interview people after their sets. Yeah. Oh, but I, I like hiking with that. Kevin. It's That's good. a good one. It's really good. How did you meet? Um, I only think of this because... The Laugh Factory. That's how I met yeah. Dane Cook. How yes. did you meet Dane Cook? Uh, I met Dane Cook through Barry Katz. Okay. Um, his Barry manager. K- his old manager. Yeah, his old manager. Yeah. Um, Barry and Dane uh, and my buddy Jeff Nicholson had done a short film together because Dane Spiral. wanted to show off. Yeah, Spiral. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know that? Mm-hmm. Why were you in it? No. no. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm very famous in Germany. No. <laughs> <laughs> so they had done Spiral. And uh, I had done this this short film called Queen for Day mm. about a guy that pretends to be gay to pick up chicks at Crunch. And um, need to see that. Yes, you should see it. It's only three minutes long. Oh, and so I met Dane through that. And so we were going to have a night of shorts. Mm. So just the two shorts. And we were going to have people come. And we invited like three, four hundred people. And we had food. And we screened um, his short first and then my short second. And so we got to know each other that way. Mm. And then when they greenlit Employee of the Month... I was like, ooh, Dane, 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 Dane would be good for this. I originally wanted him to play the Dax role, you know, because Dane's sort of, you know, rock and roll comic, smash the ice cream in the face and kick him in the teeth, you know, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, I talked to Dane and I called Lionsgate and said, I think Dane would be good. So Dane read it and was like, oh, this is great. I really love this script. Um, let me talk to my managers or talk to my agents and all that kind of stuff. And I'm talking to Barry and Dane and we're like, Oh, this is going to work. Lionsgate goes, eh, he's not a big enough name. And we're like, Oh man, really? He's got so many followers and he's got this. And this is going to be great. I mean, he's kind of the father of social media. Everyone was you obsessed know? with him at that point. Oh yeah. The next week his album dropped and it became the number one comedy album of all time. Mm. Beat Steve Martin, all this stuff. And Lionsgate picked up the phone. They're like, can you, can you still get Dane? <laughs> Seriously. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me call him. And that's how that, that started. That had to feel cool that you were like, let me call him. <laughs> yeah. That you was know, your first was, directorial Yeah, it was my directorial feature. debut. Yes, my first feature. Yes. It did really well. It did great. No, I mean, I, you know, I, I cannot complain. 
can you complain about Jessica Simpson? Yeah, what do you want to hear? Oh, no. I have a Jessica Simpson, a Jay Simpson story too, but I want to hear yours first. Well, here's my <laughs> here's my complaint about Jessica. She was so fucking cool, yeah. and so well read, and very bright that I was like, wait a minute, you know, this is not what I expected. And when I sat down with her to talk to her about doing the movie, because uh-huh. cause the honest truth was the studio came to me and said, Jessica Simpson's going to be in the movie. They just told me that's what's going to happen. And I was like, what? She's not even the girl from, she's not even an actor. This is a funny movie. This is a comedy. You need it. And they're like, well, if she's not going to be in it, then you're not going to make the movie. They literally told me that. Woo. And I was like, she's going to be awesome. <laughs> so, and I didn't know her. I didn't, I only knew her from her, from her show. She was really hot at that time. Oh, she and I'd seen her on, um, I'd seen her in Dukes of Hazzard and I was like, okay. So they just kind of threw her at me and I go over to her house and I meet her and I'm like, oh, no wonder this girl is such a big star. She's very smart. She's really cool. She's extremely grounded. Not what I was expecting at all. Really? And then, yeah. And then she said to me, um, I'm really nervous about doing something like this with all these comedians. And after like two or three minutes, and I'll get into this a little bit about casting, but after two or three minutes, I'm like, oh, she's going to be great. Mm-hmm. I just knew just after meeting her, I'm like, oh, she's awesome. This is going to be a lot of fun. And so I left the meeting calling uh, you know, the studio going, she's awesome. She's really, really cool. So, and we ended up having a good time on the movie and she was great. And, uh, I feel like you guys look like you could be related. We did. We look kind of like brother and sister a little bit. Um, which, well, I, you know, I stared at her every day on set and after a while you start to not see people for who they are. You start to see them sort of as puppets, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know it sounds awful, No, but you're like, pull that back a little bit, you know, and you're moving little things and you're doing stuff like that. So you become desensitized to people uh-huh. and so and as a director i learned really early on to stay out of anything that's going on on set and like i didn't go to cast dinners and i didn't go hang out with anybody like i don't want to know who's kissing who who's talking to who who's talking shit i keep me out of all that stuff because really yeah because you, you will start to see that through the filter okay so you'll start to go this guy was a dick to her an hour ago and now I'm on set with him and he has to be funny in this scene. I fucking hate that guy. Mm. I don't want to know that. Like, so, and usually they're pretty good about keeping you away from that sort of thing. Um, That's a really smart thing to learn early on for any wannabe directors. Well, <laughs> I can't see. remember if I learned that or if I just, I think I just naturally fell into, uh, I fell into that and I also fell in really quickly. I learned if you, I don't want to give away too many secrets, but if you touch your actor, like even on the shoulder, mm. they do anything you want. You know, mm-hmm. you're like, if they don't feel comfortable with a line or whatever, you touch him and you go, okay, listen. And it kind of breaks that director actor thing. And it lets them know like, Hey, we're just a couple of people here trying to figure this out. If you don't like that line, let's figure out something better. You know, let's get in here and, you know, and I'm try just to make you comfortable. You, you know? do that to Ice Cube and it's making yeah, me yeah, really yeah. happy. <laughs> no, I didn't direct that movie, though. Oh, you did, I wish. Right. You I wish I had produced. directed that. No, no. no. <laughs> but that's the thing, like, with casting, like, we just did this movie, The Turkey Bowl. And what I, is it about? Like, what's the, sh- the elevator the, pitch? The premise? elevator pitch is a group of guys mm-hmm. that finish a high school football game that was snowed out. 15 years earlier mm-hmm. so it got snowed out at halftime and then they come back and finish the game 
Oh, that's cool. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a great, great fun comedy, and uh, I got to shoot it in my hometown, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> Not Red Bank, New Jersey. Not Red Bank. No, yeah, <laughs> Norman, Oklahoma, or as I call it, Normal, Oklahoma. So really yeah, so it was great going back there, playing on fields that I grew up playing football on, and seeing all my old friends and mm-hmm. hanging out, and it was just really great. Like I mean, we wrote in the script how he takes secret sidewalk, this one sidewalk between these two houses or these four houses to get from one neighborhood to the other neighborhood. And I I shot there. Mm -hmm. So it was really trippy going home and shooting, you know, writing the script a few years ago and then being there the last night of shooting, shooting on secret sidewalk and all the crews picking up all their stuff. And, you know, we're wrapping the movie and I'm walking down secret sidewalk going, Oh my God. And I had a moment where I stood there and I was like getting all choked up going, I got to shoot my movie. Yeah. Like here in my hometown, it was really, really awesome. That just gave me the chills. Oh, I have another chill story, which yeah. is I wrote Ride Along, uh-huh. turn, you know, but I had, when I first came to LA, I was like 13 years old. My parents, you know, we drove out here in our custom van and we hit all the theme parks, Knott's Berry Farm and Disneyland and Universal Studios. And I was like at Universal Studios, I was like, what is this? <laughs> This is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, taking the tour and seeing the Jaws shark and all this stuff. It was just so much fun. And I remember telling my parents, like, you know, someday I think I'm going to move out here to L.A. and do something like this. You know, make movies and TV. And I wrote in my high school, like, you know, the, uh, what's it called, the time capsule thing. Mm-hmm. I wrote, I'm either going to be hosting a TV show, writing a TV show, starring in a TV show, or making movies. I like That's what I wrote in my time capsule. So I thought, oh, that's cool. So I was, you know, years later, Ride Along comes out, all this stuff, and I'm at a meeting at Universal, and the tram is going by, and it says Ride Along on the side. And there's big posters everywhere, and I stopped, and Kirk, my writing partner, is like, you okay, buddy? And I'm like, I'm having a moment. Like, (laughs) you know, my dream came true. Like, this is exactly, Mm -hmm. it was really awesome. Oh my really, god! I have like really, my eyes. It was really awesome. So, and so even cool. now, when I talk about it, mm-hmm. it kind of brings up that emotion of like, oh yeah, this is great. This you is did great. it. Yeah, yeah, and you're still doing it. It's yeah, so I'm like still, full circle. Still, still doing it. <laughs> you know, Sting. Sting said someone asked him, "How did you know that you'd made it, or you you've had success, or mm-hmm. whatever?" And he said, "I think he said his first wife was giving birth, and he was waiting in the hallway." the hospital or she had just given birth and he just visited with his son or daughter for the first time or whatever and he's in the hallway and way down at the other end of the hallway there's a janitor and the janitor is singing Roxanne and he was like oh my god and it sort of hit him and I remember always hearing that story going oh that's so fascinating that would be so much fun in life to to kind of hear something like that or be in a moment and I'm in an Uber about a year ago Mm. or a Lyft and um we get cut off by another car and the driver of the Uber goes, this is an 80, you know, this is an 81 Honda. How dare you? You know? <laughs> and he yells that. And I was like, Hey, I go, Oh, I wrote that line. And he goes, what? And I said, Oh, I wrote that. It's in a, a movie I wrote. And he stops, pulls over and boy, the month, dude, it's my favorite movie. And we end up taking <laughs> selfies for him and oh my God. you know, all that stuff. I mean, it was really, 
so it was fun to kind of see that come around and have that happen to me in my life. You're going to have a lot more of those moments happen. I hope so. Because it's the best. Telling stories is, oh. is the best. Entertaining people is so much fun. I mean, I won best storyteller in second grade. You did? And I won most likely to be famous in high school. So, I mean, my quote was, there's no business like show business in my yearbook. Nice. Wait, second grade. So you're way ahead in <laughs> Oh, totes. No, but I get it. Where, like, from a very young age, I wanted to be, like, a pop star. I was more, like, always just dancing. And I I was directing and, like, writing scripts and stuff. But it always, this is something that's just always been in my blood. Me too. And I I feel like that's how you are. Yeah. Um, Do you, and I didn't get into, like, how you moved out to Hollywood and all that. But there's other podcasts that have that on it that people can listen to. Just Google your name. (laughs) Um, I want to know if you have any advice for someone that's trying to leave, like, in Oklahoma or any city coming out to Hollywood. Maybe top three things to do when you get here. Because you said you didn't know anyone when you moved out here. I knew zero people. And now look at you. So, like, how does that happen? Uh, Okay. Yeah, the, the 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 three things that you have to do is you have to get into the stream, is what I call it. Okay, that means you have to actually. Well, there's. I mean, you can you can start doing it from wherever you are now because there's YouTube. Yeah. When I was starting, you would write a script and try to get somebody to read it and go, "Oh my gosh, you know how to write," and then so things would come from that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I got lucky. I did a play in Lubbock, Texas, and some woman saw me in this play and was like, "You need to move to L.A." Like, you should be on 90210, and you should be doing this and that. And I'm thinking, who is this lady? And then a week later, I get a call. My parents get a phone call saying, this is the head of casting at Fox Television. We want to meet Greg. So my dad and I flew out here, and I met them. Uh, It was Bob Huber and Bob Harbin at the time. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, you need to live, live out here if you actually want to make it. So I'm still a firm believer that you need to be in the mix to be doing it so that you're around other people that are doing the same thing. Because energy creates it energy. Does, it does. I mean, you, I mean, if you're super talented and you have a bunch of income and you can watch whatever you want to watch, you can start producing stuff on YouTube and kind of do that from anywhere. Mm-hmm. But even like a lot of the influencers, they all live out here in L.A. because That's everyone's it. doing it. Mm-hmm. And they all work so, with each other. Yeah, they all work for each other. They know each other. You start to learn who you like, who you don't like, certain styles that you like. You learn uh, things you can emulate, um, borrow, you mm-hmm. know, not necessarily steal because I've had scenes stolen from me just outright. You really? Know? Oh, yeah. Um, but what do you do? It's tough. It's yes. rough, you know. Yeah. But it happens. Um, so... I would say move, like start out here. Now, once you have had success and you're in the incoming call business where people are actually calling looking for you, then you can do whatever you want. You can go live wherever you want. You can check in, check out, do your thing. Um, You know, you can be Sandra Bullock and move to Austin, Texas or whatever. Yeah. You you can do that. Um, But until then, I say get into the stream like you're out here in the water floating around with everybody else. And you're going to float alone a lot. Even when you think you have success, it's going to turn into like, oh, I'm out here alone again. Mm -hmm. This is freaking me out. But I would say get into the stream, come out here and do that. Then I would say produce your own stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, yes, it's always good to have a script or whatever, but I would say produce your own material. And then the big secret with producing your own material is good sound. (laughs) <laughs> I tell people that all the time. I'm like, people are watching from their phones. They're like, make sure you sound good. You know, oh, even yeah. if you're doing an audition, a taped audition, like I have a lot of friends who are like, I need to be there so I can be in front of the casting director. I'm like, nah, we watch everything on tape, everything. 
Mm-hmm. Like 99% of the stuff I want to see on tape because that's how I'm going to see you in this medium. Yeah. I'm going to see you on screen. It's not Broadway. You are going, yeah, you're going to look different in person, you know, than you are on tape. So, mm-hmm. or not recording. Then it's not even tape anymore. I'm dating myself. Yeah. You know? God, Craig, <laughs> how dare you say that on this podcast? So move to LA, yeah. you know, I mean, if, if you, if you can, if you're a triple threat, move to New York. You know, if you can dance, if you can sing, if you can do all that stuff, then you can move to New York, I think. But if you're not doing all that, I would say uh, the other advice now is because, you know, our last show, I've had two shows shoot in Canada. Mm -hmm. I think Vancouver and I think uh, Toronto and yes, Atlanta, like those places are good places if you want to be an actor um, to get your foot in the door to be a bigger fish in a smaller pond go there get because some credits. The, it's a smaller pool for sure i know a lot of people that are moving to atlanta or have moved to atlanta recently and have yeah. found much success being there well go do that back. for a few years and then come back yeah like i think it's a great stepping stone because you can go there work at a sushi restaurant in atlanta make good money three four nights a week and then book a few and the next thing you know i'm a recurring on this this tv show mm-hmm. and then once you've got the recurring stuff then you can start you know expanding and moving up here like that's it's a good idea now i think something i also respect about you is always be working i feel like you're very disciplined and you can maybe share with the meatballs even if you're not like going into like work at a studio you have your own office like what's your routine that you we work every day you work every day like we we call it banker's hours like we try to work five to six hours a day whether we excuse me whether we go into you can edit that out, right? <laughs> Whether we go into our office um, or we work from home or whatever, we're always, always doing something. And a lot of times we'll start at like 1030 and we're done at five. Just mm-hmm. like, boom, you hit it. And what I've come to notice is that a lot of times on my hike in the morning, I've come in with way more ideas than I had the next day. Me too. Because your subconscious is always, always working. I always tell artists to go do uh, hypnotherapy just to understand how your subconscious works and and to know what it feels like to find it. Oh, wow. Because if you can find it, it helps you in your life and it helps you be an artist. How does that work? I mean, You're like, Google it, Jacqueline. No, it's like, it's like <laughs> I, I meditate every day. Yeah. And during my meditation, I'm like, oh. I, okay, I know how to solve that problem now. Mm-hmm. Or you're hiking and you're like, oh, I know where this idea goes. Or, oh, you know, it's an interesting idea. You know, So you get those types of things so anyway so yes move to la get in the stream have good sound and produce your own material whether whether that's writing uh putting stuff up on youtube um you know learning the craft and then the other thing is like if you're an actor i always tell everybody learn how to improvise Mm -hmm. because once you learn how to improvise everything else is easy so easy. (laughs) it's like really you're gonna give me lines yeah that's how i feel about stand-up now yeah. after doing it for so many years yeah. when someone hands me a script i'm like oh my god oh this is easy like, <laughs> like let me punch you. this up a little bit yeah. <laughs> like, let me help you there with this it. one this one's a little off but uh it's you know. so refreshing but you're also just if you can improvise or like write a joke or something you're not afraid of the material i feel like there is yeah. like an oh my god i gotta get it like i don't know i feel like you can be in your head more sure if you don't have that in your back pocket oh yeah so i think it's sure. very helpful it's like we're all we're all out here on this tight rope sort of balancing but when you've done you know improv and you've learned how to you know think on your feet and you're not afraid of any of that stuff it makes it much much easier can i say a few names at you and then ask you a few rapid fire questions yes and then i will let you get to your meeting in santa monica no no it's fine (laughs) okay um kevin hart yes 
super charming, super kind, super funny, um, super short. Super short. Yes. So much energy. So much energy. So much. (laughs) But he's like, um, he's, but he's just, I saw him, I remember seeing him the first time in a movie called Soul Plane. Okay. And I remember thinking like, who is this guy? I remember talking to my managers going, who's that guy? That guy's going to be a superstar, Mm -hmm. a superstar. And it took 10 years for him to, to sort of like swing around and come back around again. Mm -hmm. And when I got the call, Oh, he's going to do it. Cause you know, ice cube had been on it for, for a few years on, on ride along. And ice cube is really great about finding that next guy. Really? Oh yeah. He's like really good about going, Oh, you know what? It's Mike Epps. Oh, you know what? You know, it's, you know, it, it just whoever it is, he's like, it's going to be that guy. It's going to be Chris Tucker. So I'm going to grab Chris Tucker. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so he's really good about finding those sort of combos. And so they're like, oh, it's going to be Kevin Hart. I was like, what? <laughs> I've been a fan of his for 10 years before anybody knew what he was doing. Do so, you think it's good that he's sticking to not hosting the Oscars? Yes, because the controversy would follow it. So no matter what. So I think he's right. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's right. To me, I believe that comedians should be able to say whatever they want. Mm -hmm. That's my personal belief. Say whatever you want. It's your job to either listen or not listen. Mm -hmm. That's your job. You could change the channel. Hey, there are people that sing songs that I hate that I'm not going to listen to, but I'm not going to go out there and prevent them from singing those songs. I love that analogy. So, so I don't, I don't get it. Like, and he was, that was years ago. He's Mm -hmm. a different person. He's already apologized for it. Yeah. And it's not real. It's not real. It's, a tweet. it's not real. Even when you're sitting around with your friends and you're talking about stuff, nothing's real anyway. Mm. None of it's real. They're <laughs> all jokes. You know? So. Uh, there's signs now, like ABC's advertised, I think they are. I saw a bunch on Sunset yeah. that it's without the Oscars with no Kim, the Oscars with no heart. I think that's what it says. And it's a picture <laughs> of him. That's funny. I know. It is funny. I was that like, oh, funny. someone has a sense of humor. Okay. Um, and we talked some about these people, but whatever. Uh, Dane Cook. Yes. Uh, super funny. Extremely well prepared. Oh. And a great actor. Surprised me, surprised me, surprised me. Wow. About how good of an actor he was. And the other thing that I like about Dane is you wouldn't think he would be a guy that's open to taking direction at all because mm-hmm. he kind of comes across because I would never tell him what to do in stand-up, like ever. Mm-hmm. But when you're in a scene, you're like, how about this? He'd go. And I think, oh, did I just piss him off? But what he's thinking is, is how he's going to do it. And he's like, okay, got it. You know, and he'd come in and nail it. So ex- uh, way more prepared and way more talented than I ever anticipated. Olivia Munn. You know, I don't really know her. I flew on a plane with her a week ago. <laughs> That's so random. Yeah, but I don't, I don't really, I don't really know her. Yeah, but it is. She had her two dogs, and I had my dog, and we we're Aww. talking. And I'm like, wait a minute, we're having a conversation about dogs. I'm like, that's Olivia Munn. That's oh so God. funny. She was just in, you know, Ride Along 2. Yeah, you know? that's why I asked. Yeah. God damn it. Um, you already told Jessica Simpson. Your story wasn't bad about Jessica Simpson, though. It wasn't like oh, scoop. I don't, I don't have... It was good. Everyone wants to know, is she a dummy? And the answer is no. not at all. No, she's, I think, a billionaire no. now. Well, too. here's the other thing that I love about her. Mm-hmm. We're having this conversation, and I think I had... I might have brought... I might have said something because she had Ugg boots on. <laughs> And I said, look, when I first moved to L.A., my friend Leanna introduced me to, to Ugg boots back in the late 90s. This is when only surfers wore them. Mm-hmm. So nobody else had them on. 
So skiers and surfers. And I started wearing them all the time and people made fun of me. And I'm like, these are the most comfortable shoes I've ever had. Then the next thing you know, every 14-year-old girl across the country is wearing Ugg boots. And so I'm in working on Employee of the Month complaining about it. And she goes, oh, I'm sorry. And I said, what's that? And she goes, oh, I'm sorry. That's my fault. And I said, what? And she said, I wore them on my show. Mm-hmm. And the next day, they sold out across the country. And so Ugg called me and said, will you you know, wear them for this? And so she started getting it. So when we were chatting, and she's like, so I decided to start my own shoe line. And I was like, that's brilliant. So she did. That's so that's where that it came, came out of? Yeah. And I told her, I was like, oh, you're a good business person. Yeah, she knows what's up. Oh, she does. Oh, for sure. I had her hair extensions. I had her oh. shoes. Oh, yeah. She was yeah. doing proactive. Oh, I had she was all doing the juicy all that stuff. sweatsuits. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. She... And I made a comment once because her dad, her dad said something about her, a scene. And I said, look, your dad wants to talk to you about the scene. And I think maybe, you know, you should have a conversation with him. And she goes, oh, my dad works for me. We can do whatever we want. And I was like, oh, I love you. Yeah. Because he walked around like this is because it was his client. Yeah. He walked around doing what he knew to do. This is my client. I'm going to protect her in this moment. And she's like, yeah, but I'm the boss. And I loved it. That's goals right there. Uh, Dak Shepard. Uh, Dak Shepard. I Dax. love this podcast. What? Oh, yeah. Have you been on it yet? No. You no, need no, to no. be on that. Mm, they have. No, they're going to go after Chuck Lorre before <laughs> they're going to go after someone like me. Well, maybe when Wayne, you know, hits 50 million views, he'll have me on. All right. So you'll um, be on in like Dax a is one of the smartest guys I know. Okay. One of the smartest. How most, did you meet Dax? Uh, I met Dax. I'd seen Dax in a movie called Without a Paddle. Mm. And um, Dane, we were having a we were having a tricky kind of you know, a tricky time casting someone uh, who can out Dane Dane. Yeah. And so we're like, we need to find someone who can just roll, come up with good improv, handle his own, someone who's bright. And I was like, you know, this guy Dax, who was on uh, Punked and he was on Without a Paddle. He's really talented. Let's bring him in for a meeting. And so he came in and met with me and Andrew Panay, the producer, and we all hit it off, and we're like, holy shit, this guy's great. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's going to be... And when I was telling him about Panama, he did a toe touch in the room at, during the meeting. Mm-hmm. He jumps up, does a toe touch, then does a high rock and roll David Lee Roth kick. And I'm like, we got to cast this guy. <laughs> so, but he's extremely well-read. Love him. He's great. I mean, he's... I mean, well, everyone knows who he is now, so I don't feel like I'm sharing anything that they're not going to know, but he is exactly who you would think he is. No, he's awesome. He's really good. Hopefully we could get him on here someday. Yeah, you should. (laughs) Um, We usually do a section called Just Enough. Yes. We talk sports and all the things. Really, there's not much going on besides we're waiting for the Super Bowl to happen. You want me to talk about the Super Bowl really quickly? Yes. Well, here's what's going to happen, just from me and my perspective, just so you know. Got it. I grew up a few doors down from Coach Switzer, one of the winningest coaches in college football. Uh-huh. I grew up in Norman, Oklahoma. Grew up with his kids. And he's actually in Turkey Bowl, Coach Switzer, Barry Switzer. Oh. And he's phenomenal in the movie. And so I grew up religiously following Oklahoma football. Like they would have little car, they had this like little train thing that would come through our neighborhood and play the boomer sooner and pick people up and take them to the game. So, so it's cool. like, it's like a religion there, right? Sooners, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> Oklahoma football, the Sooners. And so when pro sports, you know, we never had a pro team. So growing up, I didn't have pro, so I didn't follow anybody. 
I followed the Steelers a little bit because we're East Coast people. And I'm like, yeah, you know, a lot of my friends out here love the Dallas Cowboys. I'm like, oh, okay. But I could never really get into pro football. I still enjoy it, mm-hmm. but because of free agency. So my whole, the whole point is when you lock onto a team, it's you got someone for three to four years. They might leave early to go to the NFL, but you know you're, you're going to be with them for at least two to three years. Yeah. So I feel like, and of course, this will kill all the uh, uh, the fantasy leagues, but I feel that the uh, the NFL should lock people in for a minimum of two to three seasons. Mm-hmm. Like three seasons have to be, have to be, have to be. So that you follow them like you would a TV show, like you would. Because really, like when I watch the Olympics – I want to know the personal story and then watch the race. Mm-hmm. When you watch, you know, seven girls running, I'm like, okay, don't care. She's fast. <laughs> yeah. She's the fastest. Like, I want to know what the struggle was getting there. I want to know. Like, of course, I'm a storyteller. But yeah. so anyway, so my feeling is, ah, I mean, do I really care about the Patriots again? No. no. But what I do care about is someone beating the Patriots. Yeah. So you're excited. So I am excited. Of course. You are. Yeah. I'm and also it's because I you're a I'm sure you're a Patriots fan. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I almost just hit Greg with the microphone <laughs> in the head. Um, I mean, I respect certain people on the Patriots, but I'm not sure. a Patriots fan, and also a huge rivalry with the Giants. Oh, I'm yeah. a New York Giants yeah. fan, yeah. but I love New Orleans, so I really, oh, really wanted nice the Saints to, to win. Yeah. But it was still really cool to be in a huge bar in L.A. Yes. With all that energy when the Rams won. There's nothing like being in a hometown when they won. I totally agree. It's the greatest feeling ever. So I feel like now I'm just 100% going for the Rams. Oh, yeah. Now it's like hometown pride-ish for us. Because now I I feel like we've been here long enough. We're like L.A.-based adjacent. Oh, no. I mean, I find myself, I'm like, why do I keep buying Dodger colors? I know. Why do I keep doing that? It just becomes part of, you know, you, who you are. It's you're like, uh, you know. Yeah, and, I guess I like them now. Yeah, you're forced to kind of jump on the bandwagon. Oh, but, God. All right, now I just want to know. But also right. offenses have been changing a lot in pro sports, which I like. Mm-hmm. You know, because growing up, Oklahoma fan, it was all about scoring a lot of points. And, you know, so now that's happening to offenses. So I'm enjoying pro football more. Perfect. Okay. We have to watch some games next year. Yes. One last question because we want her. She's a goals guest and she's also in the race for the Oscars now. Yes. She retweeted a parody I did of her. So now I think we're best friends in my head. Um, Lady Gaga. Do you think she's going to win any awards at the Oscars this year? I would love for her to, to win. She's, oh man, she's one of those people that was, is so talented. You can't deny it. She's undeniable. Right? I mean, you can't. She's one of those people that, and me personally, I like her with no makeup on. Me too. I don't like when she does all all the weird stuff. I get it. She's expressing her. That's her I get it too, but I like this. I like it paired down. Joanne was my favorite Lady Gaga album because it was just her, Mark Ronson. It was piano, guitar. That's it. That's what I want to hear. I totally agree. All right. Like that's that's the Lady Gaga that I go. Oh. I feel like we should work with her on something. I, why don't we? I think we. Yeah, just have your people call her people. Okay. And it'll all it'll all happen. It'll work. Um, <laughs> if you see her in front of the barber shop, give her your card. <laughs> give-
give her your fucking card. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to go cry about that after we finish. Um, Greg, where can everyone find you and follow you and all that if you I want people just... to follow you? You know, that's one thing I'm terrible about. I'm not social good at media. social media. I need to be better about this it. Podcast is going to do great, then. <laughs> yeah, it will. It will. It will. Um, I'm going to be better about it. Good. I am. You, I'm, well, no, I mean we have we have Wayne going, and that's you know we have 11 million people have watched the pilot, so I'm, I should use so that. Cool. I mean, I was told when I was doing Employee of the Month. The, one of the marketing people was like, "Oh yeah, you need to do this. You need to do that." I was like, "Okay." But I'll do it now. Done. Now, I'm going to help you with your social media Please and your do. dating profiles. How about that? I, I will pay you cash money to do that. Perfect. Oh now on Friday night over martinis, <laughs> yes. I won't ask you to do my podcast. I'll ask you to hand me your phone. Anytime. Perfect. Well, thank you. Well, thank, thank you. you, thank even you. For, yeah, for having me on. I really appreciate it. No, I'm so excited. And I yes. loved our time together. We'll have to have you back. Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. To talk turkey bowl. Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Just put your paws up. You were born this way, baby. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars.